I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to the Kate and Mike Show. We are sitting at our kitchen table and we dropped pee at daycare and I having, was having a little trouble getting started this morning due to lack of sleep and just our daughter has decided to start waking up for three hours in a row every night and then just not really ever going back to sleep. So we're sleepy. And Mike was like, why don't we record a podcast? <laughs> I said, great idea. How are you doing today, hon? The same. We're sleepy. I'm prepping, getting ready for my big appointment. <laughs> Should we talk about it? Sure. I don't really care. That's I'll fine. I'll talk about it. In an hour and a half or no. Yeah, about an hour and a half. I have to go to Plastic in Hand, which is the plastic surgeon here that's close to our house. And I'm having a, I call it my fatty nipple, which is my right nipple has a built-up fat mast behind it. So they're going to take it out. Yeah, it's not malignant, but we've had a couple of opinions say that, like, it's probably a good idea. And also just, I think, you Actually, know. nobody actually really said that. Well, my mom. Yeah, there, nobody's <laughs> ever said that. My mom did. I've actually <laughs> talked to... She said she I, was worried about it. Well, that's... Okay, so one person said that, and it was only to Kate. Because your mom never told me oh, that. okay. Um, she told me. Yeah, I went and saw people there. Like, you can take it out if you want, or you can just leave it there. Like, it's not going to... It's more of or an aesthetic thing. No, it's just... It's more of a... This is a whole other episode. But it's basically... <laughs> it's like more of a... Almost a power thing is what comes to mind initially. Really? Yeah. Tell me more about like, that. Like, I feel like there's stuck power someplace in my body, which is where... I'm just writing this down for a future episode. I'm not texting. <laughs> They can't see you. I'm telling you. Oh, so the, yeah, I think it's more of like a, I feel like there's stuck power there. So taking it out really frees it up. Huh. I didn't know that. So that's a whole, you know, that's a whole piece on the way our physical bodies are interconnected with our emotional selves. So Mike has his power is stuck in his right nipple. And yeah, and he's I actually gonna get it released today. I am. So to go a little bit more behind this story, this is not what we were supposed to talk about today in the podcast <laughs> that we originally like laid so out. But we're going there. So this started back in two thousand and I almost want to say two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight, sometime around that time frame that I've had it since then, but it's kind of grown and then it moves. And sometimes it's like at the front. I don't know if anybody's ever seen me without my shirt on, but you might notice my right nipples weird. And so it's like, please write in and yeah. let us know. If well, you've I could ever do a before and after. Maybe I'll do a before right and after. Is weird. You yeah. should actually. Yeah. So the, before they cut it out today, I'll take a picture. Yeah. So back in 2008, 2009, I noticed that I was having, some stuff go on. Like I just kept feeling this mass. It was weird. And then I went and had it checked out and they didn't say it was anything to really worry about that. It was like a lymphoma thing. Lipoma. Lipoma is what the actual technical term is. And so, yeah, I just started noticing it was around 2009, 2008 is when I was finishing up my MBA that I wasn't really excited about. I started my business. So there's a lot of change taking place from there. So it's, I don't know that I always kind of go back to then it's also when i stopped really partying a lot i stopped smoking weed i you know all sorts of i stuff. think 
I think I like the philosophy about the personal power and it's been like a, like a lack of flow of personal power. So it's gotten all jammed up at your nipple. But I also think that it's nipple power. (laughs) It's also related to how much pot you smoked for so many years. And there's a whole like gynomastia thingy that happens in men when they smoke a lot of pot. And I think it's, it's a little bit that. I agree. It's probably substances and not your body fully functioning correctly and, you know, doing the things it should be doing and you just get some buildup. Yeah. So it's like a detox today. Yeah. Detox. We're detoxing. Yeah. Because I used to detox through my armpits from my smell when I would sweat. Occasionally still when you sweat, you smell Not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. It's happened within the last year. Yeah. In the last year. But I'm saying... So any more would be like the last three or four months. And I've been sweating more now with CrossFit. Right. And, and that's you, really no, been in the last like two months, now. two and a half months. And so I haven't smelled that in a long time. Anywho, but before we go in for the procedure, we're talking about... Actually, this goes right into why I'm going to the procedure because I wouldn't do this myself. Well... <laughs> <laughs> That was a stretch because today we're talking about outsourcing, but we're not talking about outsourcing. Yes, we're going to talk about why to hire somebody else to do things and how to get over, you know, why that's good for your business. But more than that, I really wanted to touch on the emotional and psychological and spiritual blocks we have towards outsourcing because logically everybody gets that like, okay, if I can make $100 an hour doing what I do and I can pay somebody $20 an hour to do this other thing that I'm not that good at and that I don't like, obviously I should pay this other person. But people get all caught up on outsourcing and like there's this, especially in New England, there's this like badge of honor thing for doing everything yourself. There's like some idea that if I can do everything, I should do everything. And of course, that keeps us small. It keeps us exhausted. It keeps us resentful and it keeps us from being able to shine our light and our personal power, nipple power as, as brightly and powerfully as we can. Because if we're, if I'm caught up in like cleaning the toilet and doing all the grocery shopping and making the bed and folding the laundry and like doing all the things that need to happen to keep a household running, like I can't write and I can't create content and I'm like not that good at housekeeping. So that's an example. It would, it would keep me small because I'd be able to produce so much less. And for you, what were you going to say? You're not good at housekeeping. No, I, no exactly. You're that's I'm, I'm you're, yeah, I no. think it's awesome. I'm great at folding towels and it pretty much ends there. Yep. And I'm pretty good at a stir fry. So there's that. No, you're good at cooking, <laughs> but I'm just talking. Yeah. Anyway. And Mike also loves the way that I make my quinoa. We were doing at my at my bachelorette weekend, we had one of those silly games where you like, it was like, you know, my girlfriends asked Mike all these questions and then I was supposed to guess what his answers were. And the one of the questions was, what do you like the best that Kate cooks? And I was like, oh, surely it must be my roast chicken because like the roast chicken that I make, I think is amazing. And I've had many, many positive reviews. <laughs> When Mike said quinoa, I was like, oh my God, that's got to be like the easiest (laughs) thing to make. I'm glad I'm wowing you. I wooed Mike with my quinoa. It makes a killer quinoa. What can we say? Anyway, so, but Mike and I have pretty different mindsets around hiring people and outsourcing. So let's talk about that because I think many, you know, listening, you might relate more to Mike's and you might relate more to me. And that's why there's two of us because it relates to more people. So 
my mindset is like, if I, I literally, the minute I think of something that needs to get done, if I'm not excited about doing it, my first thought is who else could do this? I mean, yeah. it's why I'm really, I have to say like, I'm wired to outsource and I don't have, it comes from your mom. It comes from, I grew up with a mother yeah. who, and also I will say my dad too, and like dad too. my parents worked so much growing up and as they were both surgeons like on call all the time so they literally just didn't have time they just worked all the time we had nannies we had babysitters we had like the people who did childcare made dinner and grocery shopped and i was used to growing up with a lot of people doing a lot of different things because my parents worked and came home and that was kind of like, they just didn't have the space to do all the other stuff because they both owned their own practices. And then, I mean, it was just, they had a lot going on career wise. So I grew up with a model of like, well, now I will say this. My dad was always doing projects because my dad is, is pretty handy, but you know, it was the classic, oh yeah, I'll, I'll fix that. And then, you know, two years later, it still wasn't. Fixed. <laughs> so, so, but after my parents got divorced, my mom definitely outsourced a lot more too, because she was living on her own. And so that was the model that I saw. Like, you know, I used to mow the lawn growing up, but then eventually there was somebody who mowed the lawn and I don't know. I mean, somebody for everything. And my mom calls it, she still lives that way. She calls it assisted living. And I love that because she's, you know, the concept of assisted living is that like you go into assisted living when you no longer can do things for yourself. And what I love is that my mom started having what she calls assisted living many, many years ago. And it's not because she can't do the things for herself. It's because she chooses not to. And to me, that's a much more empowered look at assisted living. Like she's not giving up. She's like, Hey guys, (laughs) I need help so I can do other things. So my mindset has always been who else not only like, I don't feel, I don't want to do this thing. Cause it's not fun for me. It's not in my highest use of my skills and talents, but also who else might want to do this? For example, the guy who works on the garden at my mom's house, like I swear now I will say my mom's actually a great gardener, but she has too much land area for her to want to do it. And so she, this guy is like a plant whisperer and he is in his zone. He comes over and he's got these headphones on and he is totally, you can tell he's in his zone of genius and he is communing with these plants and far be it for her to take that opportunity from him. So my thought is when we are not willing to ask for help and outsource certain tasks in our life, not only are we keeping ourselves small to me, that's hoarding resources because it's saying, Like it's not allowing other people to step into their greatness and their leadership to do the other things that need to get done, you know, to keep each of our lives afloat. So I think the interdependency and allowing others to step in and do things and then paying them money really uplifts everyone as opposed to hoarding it ourselves and being like, I'm not going to pay somebody $20 to do that because I should be able to do it. And then that $20 doesn't get out there in the economy and it kind of blocks the flow of abundance from an energetic standpoint. That's awesome. That's where I'm at. I'm like, a, I love outsourcing. It's my favorite thing, making lists of things that other people can do. It makes me feel free. Yeah. Yeah, How about you, amazing. honey? Mine has been a little bit more challenging to take on Kate's mindset. So her... Oh, you've been taking me on? Yeah. Not not in a a combative (laughs) way, but I'm saying from just learning from 
that attitude, you know, learning to live assisted living because if that makes sense, learning to live assisted or yeah, learning to have help and ask for help. So because our family was a little bit of the opposite, at least from what I remember, my parents could have taught me completely opposite things, but who knows, you know, right? This is my story that I'm telling. So, but it is, my mom stayed at home with three kids, you know, why my brother and my sister. And I think until I was 10 and then we had little help because she wanted to go back to work to do her career. She's an audiologist. Yeah, right. But she was expert also in learned. Yes, yeah, she's expert in ears. But she went back to do some speech therapy and stuff before like moving over. And then if you live in Valparaiso, Indiana, where I grew up, you might have seen a billboard of my mom when I was younger. She was famous. She was billboards. She was famous in the small town because their company paid to get billboard put up of her and her boss. We both have famous moms. Oh, yeah. Huge. Yep. So it's pretty awesome. If you ask my dad, she is everybody's. She's the social butterfly of the town. So anyway, we basically grew up where we had to do a lot ourselves. I remember our house was under construction for my whole life, basically, because like projects would continually go on and somebody always had to be there to watch the guys work. And we used to go to the car repair shop with my dad and he would watch the guys fix the car, all this stuff. And he likes this stuff. So it really, it's excites him about it. But then I'm like, why are we paying these people to do this? And we're just going to stand here and watch them. Like to me, it doesn't make any sense. So at this point now, like learning about that. So as I started to grow, get older and I had my own house When I first bought my house in North Carolina, I was like, I don't want to clean, but I would clean periodically. And then I was like, okay, maybe we can find somebody to clean. And I was like, I don't enjoy cleaning my house. So it's like, just try to take those projects away. And then if we take that back to our business, it's, I always think about like, if I lived in New York city or a big city like Boston or San Francisco or something, how easy it is to outsource your life now like it's so easy you just type an app and then somebody comes and drops your groceries off they come clean your house it's so accessible to have stuff like this done now especially in those type of cities and slowly moving to other parts of the united states but here i think it's more where we have to find in maine it's like you find a person to help you instead of an app so an app kind of is a location to have that happen where people sign up to do tasks like that like task rabbit task rabbit is a great example But here in Maine, we would find someone to help us. So I never... Yeah, it was always where you have to be a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing and fix this and fix that. And now, it was funny. We were standing on this... We're looking at building a house, moving through the steps to do that. It's much longer, much more intense of a process than just buying a house, than like signing on the dotted line to buy somebody else's house. So we're standing there and the builder was like, okay, you know, I want to be a part of this, this, and this. I said, I don't want to do anything. I want to move in. I will make decisions about what needs to go, like the types of carpet or the flooring or whatever. I'll make those decisions, but I don't want to do any work. You know, and the reality is I'll probably go help them on stuff I want to do because I do enjoy it. But I don't want to set up the attitude where I'm going to start building cabinets, right? That's not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have that responsibility. Because now I look at it saying, okay, we have a business, so how can I also support other businesses in the local area as well for people that enjoy doing the things that I don't want to do? One of those would be cleaning our house. We have a great woman, Sarah, who comes here. She puts her headphones in, just like Kate described, the gardener. And she's in her zone. She's in her zone. And she gets like, you can tell she's thrown off when we say something to her. 
and we just leave her alone and she just does her thing, cleans our house and leaves. And it's amazing. So my attitude was always, you have to do everything yourself. You have to work hard. You have to take care of yourself. You have to do the work yourself. And now that I'm realizing in the more and more I'm building a business and have a family and the time that that attitude changes where there's other people that like to do that stuff as well. So that's my mindset around it, Kate. So one thing I do want to say is, you know, you talked about being involved in stuff around the house when you were a kid. We were also involved in stuff growing up. So I don't believe in like, especially as a parent, right? I really don't believe in like <laughs> outsourcing everything. So your kids are just like, I don't have to do anything. Like I was in charge of setting the table and mowing the lawn and raking leaves and like we did stuff with, with well, no, parents. I mean, I just want to be super clear because I feel like it makes me sound a little bit like a spoiled brat. And I'm like, just for the record, we did plenty of things. Well, I think maybe that's why people have kids, <laughs> you know, like we're going to yeah. put Penelope will rake the leaves Even with the us, other day, and... like Penelope, Mike decided to throw a box of protein bars on the floor so she could play with the crinkling. And then it was time to clean them up. And we had learned at parenting class that if you give short sentences and speak in picture words and give positive directions to kids, don't do this, but, you know, do this, then they'll be able to follow. And I was like, I'll just practice. P's only 13 months, but let's see what happens. And I picked up the bar and I put it in the box and I said, pick up the bar, put the bar in the box. And she literally took a bar and picked it up and put it in the box. And we both sat there. And we picked up the bars and put them in the box until they were all cleaned up and in the box. And I was like, this is awesome. My 13-month-old is cleaning up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I know, it, like, every... I'm talking about, especially some people listening don't actually have a business. So when it comes to our business, that's another aspect as well, where in the beginning, we did everything. We were the graphic designer. And sometimes I still design some graphics where I use Keynote, though, I don't actually use a graphic design program. It's kind of funny. You still design stuff periodically. There's like one off once a month. But now we have people who specialize in that to help us with our business. And I think it's really important for us to continually do that. Because if we're spending time, if I'm spending time doing graphic design work, which I don't have the mindset for that or really enjoy it that much then our business won't move forward as well. So I think it's the same with our when we look at our life. If you don't even have a business and you happen to be listening to this, if you feel like you're always short on time, there's probably something that you can do to get rid of in your life, whether that's cleaning the house or maybe it's grocery shopping or cooking food or preparing food. There's something probably taking place or maybe it's carpooling instead of always driving together. Maybe it's finding somebody to ride with to work because that way you could maybe do some stuff in the passenger seat Why that person's driving. You know, there's all sorts of different areas where you can out. What we're talking about today is about outsourcing and having other people help you. Maybe it's asking your spouse for more help. That's a great one. Or your kids for more help. I mean, I think that there's a very common thing that one person in the household kind of bears the burden of doing most of the stuff that is not the case in our household. But I see it amongst my friends where either the woman or the man or, you know, if it's a same sex couple, just one of the people will kind of be the one sort of keeping everything together and then resentment builds up. Right. So ask yourself right now, what's something, even if you don't own a business, what's something that the real simple outsourcing question is, what do I not like doing? What am I not good at? 
And those are the things to outsource. I mean, if there's something you absolutely love doing, even if, you know, it's below your quote unquote hourly rate, do it. Yep. Like, that's awesome. If I loved cleaning our house, I would clean our house, even though like I can make more money an hour than that, but I would totally do it. Here's a great example. This is really, you know, kind of overly obvious, but we can pay a babysitter less than Mike and I make to watch Penelope, but I'm not going to bet. Like, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like I love being with Penelope. So we don't do that all the time because we want to be with her. So that's like an example of obviously the reward of being with our daughter is like way beyond, you know, the money or whatever. Right. So ask yourself, you can make a list. What do I not like doing? And what am I not good at? And those are the things to begin to look at who else could do Mm -hmm. them for you. True. And let's talk about, so I want to talk a little bit about the relationship aspect for us, because I think it's valuable because a lot of people, it is what Kate just mentioned. I hear a lot where it's like, I ask him to do something or I ask her to do something and it never gets done or it doesn't get accomplished. Now, I think there needs to be a conversation between the two people and we're not going to give relationship advice. We're just going to talk about what works for us because every relationship is so different. So for Kate and I, we really are clear on a role for each or what is one person going to do. For instance, like usually on Wednesday mornings, I take out the trash, collect it in the house, take out the recycling, put it on the curb, take it outside. Kate knows how to do this, but it's just something that's worked for us because I just like having our house be clean. I like taking out the trash. It's just easier to do it that way anyway. And most of the time, Wednesday mornings, Kate's with Penelope. It's usually her morning or something. So it just works out that way. That's just kind of been a routine that happens for us as well as like for our other roles would be like the cars. If a car needs maintenance, if the car needs to get the oil change, et cetera, Kate knows where the Toyota dealership is. She knows how to put Google in into her phone to find it. But the reality is like most of the time I enjoy going to the car dealership. I like handling the cars, making sure that they're up to date, et cetera. So that is... Two things where, for instance, like there's a little bit of distinct roles in what we're doing, you know, in our life where it's like, that's not something that Kate has to think about a lot either, where she's just like the oil change or the oil light in my car came on. Great. And then I think about, okay, what else needs to happen with the Prius? The headlight, there's something going on with the headlights. We need to be able to see, you know, et cetera. So then I just call <laughs> the Toyota. Prius is a pedital right yeah, now. Yeah. The Prius is. But like, struggle. I take care of all of Penelope's like healthcare stuff. Right. Clothes. Which has really been a journey, <laughs> you, <laughs> making sure yeah. she's got the right lotions and potions and homeopathy and getting her blood drawn and making sure she has clothes to wear and like all that stuff. Like that's more right. my wheelhouse. Right. If she, it was up to me what she was going to wear, it would kind of be the same thing. She probably would be in every day. footy jammies every day. Probably. Yeah, it's easy. It's great. <laughs> you, but you get really excited about. It. Yeah. And Penelope has been, I would say you're in a rank of priority versus like, I'll take care of the house stuff. And then you take care of our daughter would be the rank. And if she's still breastfeeding so that, you know, that trumps it, but it's also a mom instinct, I believe more so than a dad instinct. That's another episode. The, <laughs> but yeah, so you break down what each other are going to do within the house. That's what's worked for us. 
in our relationship standpoint, that seems to work pretty well. And we do that in our business as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things are shifting in our business a little bit right now, which is exciting and scary. And, you know, we're kind of in a transition time where there's new projects and we're kind of figuring things out. But one of the things that stayed consistent is it's clear who's doing what. So like I write the blog every week. That's not something Mike does. Mike knows way more about what's going on with all of our software. I don't really, I kind of know generally, but like Mike knows way more about the behind the scenes, behind the systems and stuff. And it's not, you know, I do think it's necessary for both of us to generally know what's going on in all aspects of our business, but I don't think it's necessary for us to each completely be running each aspect of our business. And so the reason this topic even came up is because when we were sharing about the Money Love Course launch, which has been our most successful launch to date, and we did an episode about the behind the scenes of it, which you can go back and listen to if you haven't heard it. One of the things that you shared, Mike, was that during the middle of the launch, you just like sat on the couch one day or for a couple days, I think, and you were just like, wait, well, no, I, what am I supposed to be doing right now? On the couch. Yes. But no, it's the discover. So if you think about in our, well, for me in our business and you think about a CEO, like I just take, let's take, I think of Steve Jobs. Okay. Let's just take it. From I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but think of any company or maybe even the company you work at. Like what's the responsibility of Steve Jobs at Apple? This is probably not the greatest example, but just go with me here. So his role is to make sure that the marketing department, the financial department, you know, he has meetings probably daily or weekly with each one of those departments. Now he's not in charge, but he was reading his book sound a little bit more controlling than my example. So just we're going to use my hypothetical example. Maybe like Mark Zuckerberg over at Facebook. Okay, Maybe he's, he's a, a better example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but the role of a CEO of an organization is to kind of know what each department is doing a little bit and then be able to just have input to translate that to the investors or to the other departments of what's happening. The CEO is like the conductor. It's like the conductor of the orchestra, right? So that would be where I've moved more towards. I've kind of always been in that position, but usually it was just Kate and I. So it's like the two of us were trying to make things happen together. But now that we have multiple people working with us on a weekly basis and Now it's to make sure that that's happening. And one thing I noticed that I was getting resentment towards logging into Entreport, which is our email autoresponder system we use, or I was getting resentment to uploading a blog post or doing something within WordPress that needed to be fixed. For instance, I started noticing this within my side myself when I was doing it and things kept getting delayed. And then I kept screwing things up. We sent like double emails out or screwed this email up, et cetera. And I already had people in place to kind of take it over and then as soon but it's like letting go this goes back to what i initially started where it's like letting go of that control was hard in itself and so i that what is exactly what kate when we started talking about this episode is what she brought up when we were in the kitchen talking about it was like to even just let go to allow someone else to help you so once i hired the right people put them in place to do the tasks that I was doing. So we have somebody specifically working on Entreport that also helps with our funnel layout. We have somebody that also is our project manager. She's in charge of, you know, making sure that the stuff's getting done that needs to get done. Bonnie's amazing, right? And we have Tracy on Entreport. And then we have Donna that's doing our customer service work. And then we just hired a new VA who... Sylvia. Sylvia, yes. Sorry, Sylvia. Just totally blank. And so... 
these folks have tasks and roles to do within our company. And then my job is to make sure that we our business continually companies keeps moving forward. When I realized that during the money love course, I was like, I don't have anything to do. And it was the first time that we put a launch together where I still had a role. I still had a responsibility, but it was much different than saying, instead of painting the house, I was making sure that the painters, if they had any questions, they could come to me, making sure that the right color was getting put on the house, et cetera. So that was the same with our launch to make sure that things were happening, which was really cool to figure out. But it was also hard because now my role in business has changed. And so it's like, what do I do now? Right. So my purpose a little bit in what I was currently doing has changed as well. So that's been a big learning experience throughout the process. So my my sort of hypothesis about why people don't want to outsource is a couple things. One, a lot of us were raised with the idea that we need to work hard in order to be valuable human beings and working hard often translates to doing it all. So like if you can change the oil in your own car, there's some sort of like badge of honor for doing yep. that. I used um, to do that as a kid. And then I did it once in my house, in North Carolina, in my truck. I dumped oil every place. It didn't come out correctly. I got it all over myself. And I said, I'll never do this ever again. Yeah, it's a messy thing to screw up. I do not know how to change my own oil. I know how to check it, though. So that's good. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. But now we have AAA, so. But so my theory is that we don't want to outsource because, A, we have an imprint psychologically that we're more valuable the more we do. And most of us learn that as children. And then that's a cultural idea as well that like working hard is kind of like the path to spiritual salvation. I think in our culture, this idea that like the more you do, the better you are. And I really, one of my practices every single day is to look at that belief and to question it and to see how could I live out something different because nobody gets to the end of their life and is like, Oh, thank God I did so much. You know, like it's it's more, I would imagine I have never been on my deathbed, but I would imagine that it's more, thank God I loved so much. Thank God I lived so much, but not thank God I did so much. Those are very different things. So one that we've been programmed to believe that the more we do, the more valuable we are. Two is a fear of losing control, that it will not get done correctly or will will not get done the way we would have done it. And then three... I think is a fear of what would happen if we weren't so freaking busy all the time. It's the, I believe that we do and we obsess about doing more and more and more and more, and we stay busy to avoid being with ourselves. So busyness can become a numbing behavior, just like drinking, using drugs, watching TV, being on social media, like busyness is another way to avoid it's an addiction almost. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the three major things that block people from outsourcing because the result of outsourcing is what Mike experienced during our launch, which is three days of being like, wait, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And what was that like for you? Well, it's been hard with the transition and Bonnie could tell you this because Bonnie's like, just tell me, give me things to do. Like I want to keep working. Right. And she wants to help out and she wants to work, you know, with the company and help it grow. But then I will be doing the stuff that I don't enjoy doing because it's just letting go. Somebody that love that says they love to clean their house. Like let's use that example. 
It's like, I want to clean my house, but I don't like to clean my house. I don't want to clean up the pee that my kid can't hit the toilet. You know, it was like, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep clean my house. Dead. I'm going to clean my, and you keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And the pee builds up and then it smells. And then it gets, you know, go two weeks without cleaning your house. And then it can continually grow. And the next thing you know, like somebody could have already been to your house, clean the house. It would be clean, but we continually think about it. That's what was going on within our business. And I had to let go of control. And once I let go, I was like, this is fantastic. Now, do I think about, like, is this getting done? It's definitely not getting done the way I would do it, which doesn't always mean it's the right way either. But it's to let, to just have faith that it's getting taken care of the correct manner and that the end result will be great. That's what I'm really looking for is the end result to be what we want it to to create and for that to be. So for instance, like posting a blog post on Wednesday for Kate, the end results to get the blog post there, you know, that needs to get done. So that's the end result is a blog post goes out Wednesday, email goes out Wednesday, blog post goes live. Now how that happens is going to be different. If I do it different, if Bonnie does it different, if X, Y, Z does it. So it's being comfortable to say, okay, I no longer want to have access to her to do this anymore. And you have nothing to do with that process. I have nothing to do with point, it now. Which is pretty no. cool. And I haven't for a long time. No. And we did an entire affiliate launch back in June yep. with Sarah Jenks and her Live More Way Less program where you didn't even know it was happening. No. Which was pretty cool, I well, have to it's say. Even, we just, we you were this. like, wait, what? And I was yeah, like, that was cool. yeah, there's been a webinar. There's been several emails and we made, you know... We made quite a bit of income from that launch without you having your fingers in it at all. It's so empowering because when you can trust other people to do, that's the biggest thing it comes down to where it's like trusting someone to come clean your house. It's trusting someone that they have the right mindset in or the right investment into our business. And that was one of my biggest the hardest things to get over was it's just trusting the other people to take care of it. Cause we went th- through quite a few people that we worked with. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like not, we went through them, but they would work for us and then it didn't really work out. And then it would be the next thing and it didn't really work out. And it just wasn't feeling right. I mean, it's, that's taken a couple of years. Yeah, so it took a while to find our people. Right. And then also there, you know, Kate's brand was growing a little bit. So I started becoming a little bit more skeptical about who's reaching out to her. What do they want? You know, it was more of her time, et cetera. And that went down a crazy path, but it was just trying to keep her safe from people sometimes, if that's the best way to do it. Like I want her to be safe throughout this process as well. And I totally went off track where I was going with that one, but well, yeah, about oh, it's the trust. Empowerment it's thing. about, it's, it's about empowering where I just sent emailed Bonnie. I was like, we shouldn't maybe put this thing about design pickle. It's this new company we started using. And then literally I got an email from Kate that said, okay, so we've been using this service, uh, blah, 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 blah. That came out like two weeks later. And I was like, that is awesome. Like I just tell Bonnie that this needs to happen and it gets done, you know? Well, and then your wife writes the email. Right. But <laughs> who not, cares? Like, like it whatever. I said, happened. no, but that's the whole point is like, no, right. this needs to go out because this is a service that's really benefiting us. And they have a major discount by the end of October that's taking place. So that needs to happen and we should let people know about it because it's pretty cool and we really like it. So we like to promote things that we get excited about and that we use that we find beneficial. And the email went out. I don't know if anybody signed up for it. I haven't actually checked to see if what their thoughts on it so far. I'm sure we'll find out at our team meeting later on today. Yeah. So, you know, this makes me think when you talk about like empowering people and trusting them. One of the hugest things that I really give my parents so much credit for is the degree to which they trusted my sister and I. So for example, I had 
I mean, we had businesses starting when I was like six or seven from selling jewelry to selling flower arrangements to being an odd job service to house sitting to pet sitting to babysitting. And then also my parents, like we didn't have real strict rules. It was more expectations. And my parents always told me, we trust you and we will come get you anywhere you are no matter what. You can call us day and night. We will always come and get you. And, you know, they didn't really say no questions asked, but <laughs> maybe some questions later, but, you know. In the so, moment. Yeah, no. in the moment, yeah. we'll just come get you and, like, and, go and to you'll sleep, be safe. And then you'll talk about it the next day. And because, you know, I didn't have a curfew, I didn't have all these rules, you know, my parents weren't monitoring, like, who was I hanging out with? And was I doing my homework? And what boys was I riding in cars with? Like any of those things, they trusted me to make good decisions. And as a result, I pretty much made good decisions. And to me, when we're working with our team or other people to say to somebody, Hey, here's this project, like make it happen. I'm here to support you. And you know, that same kind of idea of no matter where you are, I'll come get you. So Mm -hmm. I'm your backup. I'm here. You're safe. And I believe in you to make great decisions. So go out there. And so to me, I've always had such a belief in myself that I'm more than capable of making good decisions because when we trust people, they become trustworthy. Right. And as opposed to micromanaging and saying, well, you know, some of my, I've, I've heard of parents who read every single one of their kids' text messages. And now I really have no idea what I'm going to do when Penelope has a phone. So, you know, at this point, she's 13 months. I'm not, you know, but I think about that and I'm like, wow, what would it have been like as a kid if my parents said, you know, basically I will read every single one of your communications because to me, there's not trust in that. But at the same time, I also understand we learned in parenting class that your frontal lobe, which is the executive function that is the inhibitory factor in your brain, like that, that doesn't fully come on board until you're 25. So I also get that (laughs) kids aren't fully in, you know, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other thing, but I love that you brought that up because when we do not trust other people to help out with our bigger visions, whether they're in business or in life, like I said, we keep ourselves small and we keep them small too, because we don't allow them to step into their own leadership and their own greatness. But what about this piece about like sitting with white space? Because I do think that underneath the fear of outsourcing or the lack of outsourcing and the lack of asking for help is a fear of like, who am I if I'm not doing any all the time? Who am I if I'm not busy all the time? So, I mean, what do you think about that? I think it's a huge identity to say, well, I'm no longer going to fix a car or I'm not going to run our business the way I've been doing it. It's a huge like identity challenge. My first website I ever created was who is Mike Watts, right? So <laughs> dot com. So it's like, who is Mike Watts at this moment? Like, what is my new identity? And Tony Robbins always says happiness comes from progress plus growth. So as long as we're progressing, moving forward, we're also growing. You know, we add a little growth in there, then that equals happiness. And I believe that that's true regarding business, but also family, you know, it just like great example you gave of trusting, you know, your kids in that example with the text messaging. But even in, I hear it a lot with, oh, my husband, I'm scared of my husband being at home with my kid for one day, you know, or one night, right? I hear this a lot. It breaks my heart. But then we're also in our parenting class and a guy 
has been home with his kid for a couple of days and he's like, I'm on mommy duty. And I'm like, no, technically, dude, you're on dad duty. You know, like you're the dad. Okay. So it's also this cultural thing that has created, but also I don't know these two people. I don't know what their home life's like. I don't know what his wife is like, et cetera, you know, stuff like that. So that could be dynamics going on there, but it's also letting go of, for instance, like if Kate leaves and says, to her friends, like, oh, Mike's at home with the baby for one night. Like, I'm scared of what's going to take place. Like, what? Like, I've never said that. And I know, I, I would imagine you probably haven't said that. You're probably like, oh, I can sleep. This is amazing. You know, it's so, it's like if that fear as me, like my reaction would be, if that's her mindset when she goes out with her friends and that's the creation, I will never step up to take care of the kid ever. And then what, how does that turn out? Because I know I'm going to be micromanaged the entire time. So I'm going to check out and then it's going to create resentment towards her because she's going to be like, well, Mike never steps up to take care of the kid. And it's because like you never, now this is not a real example. This is another hypothetical example, but I'm like, you're controlling nutcase. So like, why would I ever step up? Because I'm just going to get reprimanded or lectured or you know, it's just not going to create a healthy dynamic. So I feel that happens a lot within, you know, I've heard a, a number of conversations about that with like women and their, well, and their kids. And then also, but from a guy perspective, but even with the business, like what the question you asked, it's trying to create like, who is the new person now? And what is it that I really want to do with this white space? And that might be watching a movie once a week, you know, at the movie theater or something like going by myself or whatever would thrive me. And I, I also think it's scary to have the ability to do what you've always wanted to do and to really be able to actually do it when you accomplish that goal is what we're almost afraid to actually have that success. That is so true because it's a call to greatness, right? Having the white space in your schedule giving yourself the time and the space to do the things that are in your zone of genius, as opposed to, so if you've ever read the big leap by Gay Hendricks, he talks about your zone of genius, your zone of excellence, your zone of competence and your zone of incompetence. So your zone of genius are the things that you are amazing at and that you love doing. And when you're doing them, time stands still. So for me, when I write and I'm really in the groove, like I completely lose track of time and it's energizing and I finish and I feel great. And that's part of my zone of genius your zone of excellence is things that you're like good at, but they're not that thing that you get into the flow. Like the Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi wrote the book flow about flow state. So your zone of excellence is like, you know, something, something that you're like, you're like for you, Mike, probably, I don't know for sure. What do you think is in your zone of excellence, but not your zone of genius, like that you're good at it and you do a great job, but it's not like you get into that state of flow. Like building a table. Yeah. Okay. That's a great example. I could totally build a table. Right. I, you could totally help build our house and be yeah. awesome at it. Yep. That's yeah. a good one. But it may be. Yeah. Home improvement project. Yeah. Totally. That's good. Awesome. Okay. And then your zone of competence is things that like you can do. You're not awesome at it, but you can get it done. So for me, that's like creating keynote graphics. It, mm -hmm. Same thing. I have a good visual yep. eye. I can certainly do it, but it does not look like when Natasha, our amazing graphic designer, does it. Like, it's fine. And then zone of incompetence is like, I don't know. You know, you're just, you don't know how to do it. And every it's clear you don't know how to do it. Like, I don't know how to change the oil in my car. 
that would be a zone of incompetence for me. Removing my fatty nipple. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. Right. So we're outsourcing to the plastic surgeons. (laughs) That's correct. But what happens is when we, none of us really get stuck in our zone of incompetence because that would just be like buffoonery. You would have no idea what's going on. Many of us get stuck in our zone of competence. So things we can do, we're not the best at them. We don't really enjoy them, but we can do it. That would be like fixing, you know, like fixing our printer for me. It's like I can bumble around and do it a little bit, but like I'm not going to be as fast as Mike. And I certainly don't enjoy it. It makes me kind of crazy. Zone of excellence is the real seductive one. Your zone of excellence is, you know, you get kind of like a, uh, you get lots of rewards for it because you're good at it, but you're not really in your greatness. And then your zone of genius, like that's where we really want to move towards spending, let's say 80 to 90, even close to a hundred percent of our time. If we can in our zone of genius, where that's when your life really begins to sing. So why I'm bringing this up is because why do you remember what we were talking sure. about? Trust. Trust. Well, what you should work on, you get excited about and what to do with that white space. Oh yeah. What to do with the white space. Oh, it's the call to greatness. So having that white space is your opportunity to then step into your zone of genius. And what I think is that at least in my own experience, Mike will ask me like, why aren't you writing more? And I mean, if I really answer that question, it's because I am afraid of what would happen if I actually wrote all the time, like I could be, because I know that's my zone of genius. And I I think I'm afraid of the power in that. And I'm afraid of the, I don't know, the greatness feels like kind of like, but I'm afraid of the power that lies in that for me. And so while we can go on and on about, I just don't have the time and da, 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 da. I think those are cover-ups for I'm afraid of my light. I'm afraid of how great I can be. I'm afraid of the power that would come through me if I were to actually operate in my zone of genius. I'm afraid of what would happen to my life and what would happen to my relationships if I were to really step fully into all of who I am. And so outsourcing and lack thereof to me is a symptom of a fear of our greatness. And when we have that white space, being able to sit with that and say, wow, this is the opportunity that I have been waiting for to actually be all of me. That's a scary proposition because not many people are being all of themselves. And, and there is like a crabs in the bucket thing that happens or the tall poppy syndrome that when we step into our greatness, sometimes the people we grew up with, our family, our friends, our communities, sometimes they have trouble with it because I saw, I went to an event last week called Together with Glennon Doyle Melton. It was part of her book launch of Love Warrior, which is a phenomenal book and I highly recommend getting it. She had Sean Korn speaking with her and a couple of other women who I cannot remember their names, but it was amazing. You can look it up. And Glennon said... If you think about, so there are two questions. One, what do you need to create? And two, who do you need to serve? Because so many of us are wondering like, what the frick should I be doing with my life? So the answer to what do you need to create lies in the question, who do you envy? Like when you look at somebody doing X, Y, or Z, what is the thing that makes you heart sick? So for Glennon, she said when she was really in her alcohol addiction, people would 
tell her about these amazing books written by women and she could never read them because underneath it all, she knew that she could be doing that, but she was doing nothing about it. And she said, there's nothing more painful than looking at somebody doing something beautiful that you know you could be doing, but that you're doing nothing about it. And that's that awful feeling of envy. And so to me, the reason we have the tall poppy syndrome is because when another person steps into their greatness and we know we are capable of that, but we're not doing it, it's profoundly painful to watch them do that because it holds up a mirror of the potential that we are not stepping into and that we're not living into. And so, but then on the contrast to that, then we pull down our community members. So then that makes us more fearful of stepping into our greatness because we're afraid our community is going to tear us down and then we will no longer belong if we really fully step into our greatness. So to me, the conversation around outsourcing is not really about your hourly rate and who could you pay less to do, you know, clean the toilet. Like, yeah, it's about that logistically, but right. underneath it, it's not there are that. all these things that stop us that are far more about our core need to belong and our core need to shine and the way in which we relate to one another and how other shining can either inspire us or it can confront us. And we all have a choice with what to do with that feeling of like, wow, they're really going for it. I'm not. Am I going to use this as inspiration or am I going to move into fear and tear them down so that I don't feel so uncomfortable? What do you think? That was awesome. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> I think we should just end the podcast there because that was pretty profound. Really? Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> I mean, basically, like, we don't outsource the things we don't enjoy. We don't operate in our zone of genius. Yeah. Yeah. So look around. Who do you envy? What are they doing? That's your thing. Yeah. That's your zone of genius. That's I, what you need to create. The envy is a really interesting And quit one. tearing people down for doing the shit that you need to be doing yourself and just do it and celebrate them for doing it. That's all we have. For Boom. You. See you next time. All right. Cheers. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.